Okay, here we go. Uh, spiked coffee? No, it's just coffee. I, uh, oh. I, I'm taking a, I'm taking a little, taking a little break, which I'll get into in my weekend recap here. Well, guys, welcome to episode 131 of CMD Towers, Brews, and Builds. I'm Mr. Competent Five, and my fellow host, when a bass guitar lands in his hands, he does light up the stage. Oh, Big- it's on my list to go through my set list tonight before streaming. Uh, Mr. Combo, how are we doing today? It's a Monday afternoon. I know my energy is rock bottom. Uh, <laughs> the uh, I'm, I'm a little tired. I, I've worked out twice in three days. Hey, congratulations! And by out, I mean a half hour jog. So that's great. That counts. Did you take? Did you take Newt with you this time or no? Uh, yep. I, I okay. did take Newt Scamander. Uh, he did you have to the drag him half running the time? partner. No, no, I don't have to drag him. He just stops to pee on stuff every like thirty steps. Oh, sure. Nice. I'm glad to hear that. Is it finally nice enough to go jogging out there? Uh, I mean, it started sprinkling on me, but it's just like I'm not using it as an excuse. I gotta do yeah. it. Who cares? Attaboy. Well, I, on the other hand, we were just talking earlier about like getting drunk, like with a purpose. And I don't feel like I do that anymore, but on Saturday I was a mess and I think I may or may not have gotten drugged. Uh, potentially I could have gotten a drink spiked, which would have made a little bit more sense. Cause I got to the point, Mr. Combo, where like, I couldn't like stand up straight, right? Like my friend had to like support me and granted I was, dr- I did start drinking at like 10 AM on the on the stream and didn't really sure. stop. Right. I went to like this pregame and all this other stuff, but like, I wasn't like pounding shots or anything. I was just like having cocktails and it all just went like, and, like landed on me at this <laughs> one place, which I don't want to get into details about it, but I've heard stories of that happening to people like me at that place I went to. So it's not outside of the realm of possibility, but I don't want to like put that blame out in the world where I'm pretty sure I just like drank too much. Yeah, I was about to say. I mean, the Tuck, Tucker Lean is a it was, renowned. It was. It's been a while. I, my back's never been better, and I woke up yesterday. I was like, "Oh God, like I'm so sore," but uh, it was totally worth it. Uh, I got to go all over the place. That tailgating place that I told you was a blast. Charlotte, the football team or the soccer team, as we call it here across the pond, <laughs> uh, they won, and yeah. So I'm I'm excited to get this uh, recorded now because. There's a chance I might have to take a break for a while when my jaw gets wired shut after playing my first rugby game in 12 months or 12 years. Oh, my God. Which is why I'm recording well, early. Uh, my, my weekend was about as adventurous, but more for the people that I had to babysit mm-hmm. throughout the program. Uh, we won't get into details around that. But I did want to talk about a very exciting movie that I watched. <gasps> What'd you uh, watch? I'm telling you. Adam Project, oh. better than the Batman. Better than the Batman. Taking my platform and using it. I, uh, I refuse. I, ref, I refuse. You said earlier, I think the thing I would agree, I could potentially agree with. Well, actually, I can't because uh, I love the Batman way more than you did. But you said it was a more enjoyable movie. And like, yes. I could, I think I could buy that potentially because I'm guessing it's also not three hours long. And it Correct. probably moves along at a pretty quick pace, I'd wager to guess. I mean, it, it goes along at a fair pace. Sure. Not, not like a 90-year-old yeah. grandma, like, trying to decide which pair of dentures she wears So, today. it's so good. Did you got you, one! You didn't, you didn't, uh, you didn't like the thing where it's him telling the joke that I sent to you? Huh? <laughs> the YouTube, I sent you a YouTube clip of Batman telling a joke where he goes, <laughs> he's talking to Gordon, it's when Gordon, it's okay, it's when he and Gordon are talking 
in the police precinct, right? Uh-huh. And you know, Batman beats up that guy with the gray mustache, right? Sure. So in this clip, he looks over and he goes, who's the mustache with the broken nose? And it cuts to Gordon. And then it cuts and Batman just cold clocks and runs away. <laughs> Jesus. It's incredible. Uh, okay, no, Adam so, Project. Yeah, Adam Project. It is a better movie overall. It has a better overarching story. It has more emo- emotional pull. And it is... Uh, it keeps you engaged the entire time versus the Batman is a better film, better costumes, better score, better cinematography. You know, I guess you could say bigger stakes, even though the Adam project, I mean, it's sci-fi. So it's stakes were way, way bigger, yeah, they're always, but yeah. you, could, you could argue, you know, more intense stakes for Batman. And it, it did have a higher, uh, let's say a higher class of acting. And the Batman. I mean, it was a better film. Just like people don't go to Sundance Wait. and think what they see there is the best film of all time. Or, sorry, the best movie of all time. They're like, oh, this was an amazing film, but it's nothing like, you know, uh, Gladiator. I mean, they're just two different things. I think that Batman is a lot like Gladiator, actually, come to think of it. No, it is, but I just mean like how Gladiator wouldn't show up at Sundance. Just oh. like the Batman's not going to show up at Sundance. Correct, yeah. How those how those films that come out of there, I just, I'm uh, uncultured, so I don't know what shows. <laughs> I, oh, yeah. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Okay. That, that dominated Sundance. A lot. That's a great yeah. film. You wouldn't say that's an amazing movie, right? Um, I am too, I am too much of a hipster to have a delineation between the two, <laughs> but... I See, do, that's why I thought you would, because a hipster would delineate between no, the two. No, because to me, films it's all, are different it's all, than movies. It's all cinema, right? Like, and there's some cinema that's better and some that's worse. So, like, I, but I can understand. See, and this is where the key part of the like or the plus of my review structure is, right? Because there's some movies I've seen that are are objectively bad or not good, right? But you, there's still a laugh riot or enjoyable in their own right, right? So it's like, okay, cool. You can either sit and slog through this three-hour-long Batman movie, or you can watch this one where someone gets punched in the face seventy times in forty-five minutes, right? So I can I can understand the difference in between like good, entertaining, quick-paced, easy, easy like goes down smooth, right? Like if a movie if a movie can go down smooth, to me that makes it a lot more enjoyable than potentially it is. That makes sense. Yeah, I think the challenge with your rating system is that no one's ever going to give it a four out of five or five out of five without a recommendation. See, that's not necessarily true. I've given some that are like very hard watches that are like, I know this is good, but if I showed it to you, you'd be like, you'd think it was the worst movie ever made, right? Like just because I. But do I, you I, even do you even enjoy it? I I'm trying to remember. It's been a while since it has been a while since it's happened. But there have See? been. But there's movies that are good that I don't want to like rewatch, right? Like I've seen a lot. This is back. This is a whole tirade. We don't. We can't, we don't need to go down. But like, there's a movie called Irreversible that is is beautiful in its own way. Is uh very long, very French, highly disturbing. That I probably would give a four, but wouldn't give a recommendation to. So it's like it's a good movie. It's just about horrible people doing horrible things to each other. So and I can't like rec- like I could recommend my parents watching the Batman. I cannot recommend my dad watching uh, Irreversible <laughs> without being yeah, very I, upset. I, I guess where where I come at it is unless you are literally a very objective person in life, which you and I are not. That's okay. 
Um, we it, it's hard for us to separate how we feel from the whatever. Yeah, you know, sure. the, let's just call it the baseline. And so for either one of us or anyone, for the most part, unless you're a professional critic or objectifier, someone that lives in that that middle yeah, line right, of right, I'm right. not hiking either side. Nobody's ever going to say, oh, that's a five out of five movie, but you shouldn't watch it. It might be you personally shouldn't watch it, but you wouldn't say to the masses, not a recommend, but it is a choice film. Nobody is going to objectively say that as a casual watcher like we are. Now, the flip side is you are exactly right. Terrible movies. You can't say, oh, it's a one out of five, but it's hilarious because we have a whole genre of terrible good movies. Like that's a thing. So, of course, people have those. I just don't think you're going to have it on the opposite end of a five out of five. Don't recommend anyone to see it. Do yeah, not go watch this. And movie. that's a really good point. And I'm looking up. I'm looking that up right now because I meticulously mark all this stuff. And oh, 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 interesting. I do have one that's a four and a half without a recommendation. What? Uh, it's called Abducted in Plain Sight. It's really upsetting. Like it's about it's I it's a documentary. Oh, and there's this other one called Tickled. Oh, that's a great example. So there's this one about Tickled, which is about like tickle porn, which I would give a four, maybe a five out of five as a documentary, but I would not recommend it because it is so disturbing and makes you so angry. Like I walked out of there and like immediately, like the second my foot exited there, I was like smoking and like screaming into the <laughs> void about how angry I was. Like aggressively smoking. But to be okay. fair, to be fair, you do bring up a good point. That's one four and a half out of a hundred different other ones. So yeah. it is I, I it is hard to be objective to that level when you are very passionate about everything like you or I are. And with that being said, guys, thanks for tuning in. And uh, if you'd like to support more non-magic banter or <laughs> arguments about movies, uh, which clearly you guys don't want to hear about or you'd be listening to that channel, uh, you should have to our Patreon, <laughs> patreon.com slash Tower. Uh, lots of different tiers, lots of different ways that you can support the channel. Uh, literally just a dollar a month all the way up to 25. Uh, we would really appreciate any support you can give. Um, you know, definitely if there's things that you would, lo- hey, I would love to support you guys, but I would like to see more of this or more of that. We're definitely open to suggestions. Uh, our patron communities, you know, we've had the super strong stable um, and kind of base. Um, but, you know, we've we've had a lot of people that'll come in for a few months, dip out, come back for a month or two, dip out. So uh, we've sent out exit surveys. We don't really get a lot back. If there's something you guys want to see more of, and now just know more of usually means we have to do less of something else. Yeah. Uh, let us know. And we would love to do that. Uh, I mean, we as much as Tuck and I kind of starting all of this did it because it's like, well, we got weird ideas about magic. <laughs> Let's make other people listen to us. Uh, we obviously understand that you guys get enjoyment or maybe even education out of it too. So uh, patreon.com slash CMD tower, go sign up and let us know what you want. So hopefully the message can be received. And of course, if you're an existing patron member, uh, we do have a referral program. Anyone you refer into the collective, just let us know who joined after their first month. We'll send you some free swag. Uh, just gotta, you know, let us know because we don't get notifications. Patreon's not what you would call machine learning. <laughs> User friendly. Uh, now, we do have a great store. So if you guys are looking to get a uh, Jund sweater, if you guys are looking to get a foil playmat, 
We actually have Monarch tokens and coins. We know how coin flipping is coming back in a big way. Uh, cmdtower.com slash merch has all of that out there for you. The biggest thing we have is you get a free 100-pack of matte sleeves that are CMD Tower branded if you buy a sweater. So literally buy a sweater. Make sure you add the sleeves to your cart. Use the promo code, and we will send those out for free for you because we want to get these things out of a redacted bit. Now, we do have a new sponsorship, abyssproxyshop.com, code CMDTower. These guys are amazing at developing playtest cards. Uh, and the coolest part is if you type in custom card into their search engine, you'll actually find where you can go in and do as many custom cards as you want, send artwork that you are a big fan of. Maybe you're a Samuel L. Jackson fan and you want a Samuel L. J. deck that's just <laughs> motherfucker just all th- all the whole time. All themed. Uh, you could do that. You just got to send up the stuff. But here's the exciting thing. In the custom card uh, post, they actually have a link to all the custom art that other people have asked them to do and they've already developed. So you can go get my Game of Thrones deck. You can go get my Mystical Archive deck. You've probably seen some of the weird playtest cards I've given out to our local friend group over the years for holiday gifts. Those are going to be on there. Job of the Huts and of the kind. So... If you're into tricking out your deck, or maybe even I don't want to buy 300 copies of Tundra, I just want to have my one copy, abyssproxyshop.com, code CMDTower, 10% off and stackable. It's a great value. And you also also said that the people have been using that, continue to use it, right? Yes. Uh, Which is great. So we'd love to hear that people are using it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And of course, guys, if you can't share or or help us out financially, whether it be through our sponsor store or Patreon, just share, like, follow the content you're already listening or watching, because every little bit of interaction from you really does help. So Brews and Builds is our deck tech series. Since we conquered the path to 32, the 12 themes of EDH decks, we have moved on to a classic day one Brews and Builds with a traditional episode. Uh, We described the brewing of decks similar to how beer is brewed. So we really broke it down to four different categories. The first one's ramp instead of your board states. We call that grains. And grains are the foundation of every beer. They include both base malts and specialty malts, usually about a 60 to 40 ratio. This helps with the health, the color, the taste, and most importantly, the alcohol content of a beer. Decks always need ways to grow and stabilize and ramp your into bigger threats. And just like a grain profile, they usually a mix of staples and specialty cards. How does your board interact with all of your opponents? We call that hops. And hop give the beer its patented bitterness and herbal floral flavors. They grow in a variety of strands and help distinguish subcategories like IPAs. Our hop choices help clear interact with the boards. Your deck can ultimately do what it wants. How does your deck achieve its goal or actually close out and win a game? We call that yeast. And yeasts are living microorganisms that eat the sugar from the grain and poop out alcohol and CO2. It adds alcohol content to carbonation. Without yeast, you'd be drinking flat sugar water. And without yeast cards, your deck wouldn't meet the goal of actually winning the game. And then we have shenanigans. It can be pet cards, kind of weird synergies in the deck that kind of work, maybe kind of don't, maybe don't have a home. Uh, we call that spice. And uh, not every beer or deck has them, but spices and other additives help separate a normal Spock beer. Stock? Spock beer, No, if you will. Spock beer. It has it's no Vulcan. emotion. It's Very, just yeah. beer. <laughs> it's just flat. Uh, it could be the pepper that turns <laughs> a stout into a jalapeno stout or the addition of hops that turn an IPA into a double IPA. Not every deck has something that makes it pop, but if it does, this is where we generally talk about it. I mean, is, is that a new thing? We got to sell the beer, uh, breweries. Spock, hey, when your beers Spock go beer. flat, just re-label it Spock beer. It's so, just think about it. It's so good. That actually sounds disgusting. <laughs> and then to seal off the episode, guys, we have a bottle capping. These are going to be big text tonight. Cuts to the deck and then adds that'll be under $5, under 50 bucks, and a no budget recommendation. The only restriction is no mana only lands. So without further ado, let's get brewing 
Uh, Tuck, we're we're doing one of your decks. Uh, we're doing your favorite color pie, Rakdos, yeah, evil sob, and uh, Prosper Tomebound. Yeah, I tried to think of something funny to use from like a name to like call them, but I, I just couldn't think of anything. Maybe this, something will come by the end. This deck, this deck wants you to prosper. I don't know. Um, treasure tokens make you prosper. Uh, yes, but Prosper Tomebound. Uh, this was I was not very excited about this set, so I didn't really pay attention to any of this. And then I've just since realized that pretty much any Rakdos pre-con, I'm just going to scoop up. And I haven't been wrong yet. So Prosper Tomebound is two colorless, uh, black and a red for a 1-4 legendary creature, Typhling, Warlock, fresh new creature type, because this couldn't have been an elf or human or something like that. And it has Death Touch. Uh, it also has two really solid abilities. So one is Mystic Arcanum. So at the beginning of your end step, you exile the top card of your library. Until the end of your next turn, you may play that card. And then he has Packed Boon. Whenever you play a card from Exile, create a treasure token. Uh, very on theme for Warlocks, which I don't know if you know anything about them from the DMD canon verse. Nope. Okay. Well, real quick, they all make a sacrifice. They make some sort of pact with a demon, right? Which could be around a book in Prosper's case. That's why he's tome bound. Could be something with your lineage and that sort of thing. So you get these kind of mystical abilities out of them, including okay. but not limited to some of the East cards. So, uh, I have always been a fan of this kind of impulse draw style for my red deck specifically, but even stuff like Theodore of Horrors that does this in Rakdos. And I know when Ra when Prosper first came out, I didn't think he was that strong in the command zone. It turns out he is actually insanely strong in the command zone. He's just such a great value engine. But that's one of the reasons why I wanted to come on here because I've noticed when I played, I have played this deck many times uh, and it has won fairly consistently, but it's always kind of through like greasy end of game means. And I, even if you look through the yeast package, a lot of the stuff we'll get into is the way that I like to win, right? Which sure. is these very Rube Goldberg machines, high variance, that sort of thing. So I really want to bring this to Mr. Combo's attention um, because I know he's not a huge fan of talking about pre-cons on here, but I think that he is really good at finding maybe some more narrow ways to win um, and more narrow ways to kind of solve these sort of issues. So that's where we're at with my boy Prosper. Mr. Combo, have you ever seen one of these in the wild? And if so, how did you like it? And what'd you think of the build? I believe I actually did play against someone with a Prosper deck. I, I honestly, and, and I apologize if it was a collective member or someone on a stream. I can't remember because uh, sure. it's been so long. Yeah. Um, I, I haven't seen one in recent year it's more like yesteryear <laughs> oh god that was terrible Got uh so uh first thing i like your little D, D thing it's the demons so is is prosper per the art do you do you kind of envision him as someone who's been taken over by a demon aka like a uh, raven from team titans when her father takes her over how she goes from like a normal humanoid form to like kind of this demon-esque form because she's so, um, oh, forgot. Uh, so, anyways, uh, Typhlings look like that from the get go. They're Typhlings oh, are okay. Typhlings are half demon, half humans. Like usually a demon mother or father, and then uh, vice versa, other. Uh, gotcha. So that, that's what they look like there, and it's less of him. Like it's less of him or warlocks being taken over, but they're like using the power of these arch demons or these mystical beings they're like giving them power for mm. a drawback right so 
if his book, I'm guessing, I don't really look too far into lore here, but I'm guessing if his book ever got stolen or destroyed, he would then also be destroyed or be like bound to the new person who owns that book. That's what I'm guessing through it. I got it. And, and I see a chain coming off the book. I assume that's yeah. attached to his nipple ring at the end of the day. <laughs> it does and look like it's going to his chest. <laughs> so I, I had that question because I was just about to say, well, they could have just got rid of Tifling and just said Demon Warlock. Yeah. Way it's, easier. Well, and there's only like, I don't want to get back into this. It's the same thing as like Naga <laughs> versus Snake, right? Like yeah. that bit's not going to work. Naga work here. So we can just get that right out of the way. Um, so, it just seems unnecessary but, for one set, but whatever. Sure. Uh, so I okay. So I'll, I'll kind of getting back to the card. Um, I've only played against it once. It seemed like it played fine. Yeah. Um, I believe it was played on uh, game nights. It seemed to do some decent work there, yeah. uh, getting treasures. Um, here's the biggest issue I have with cards like this. This commander, it's very much like my Karametra deck. The commander on its face actually doesn't do anything for your deck. It's right. just a value engine. Like Karametra, cast a creature, go get a land. Prosper, right, right, play right. a card from exile, essentially get a one-time use land and a treasure token. Right. Um, and there are games in my Karametra deck where I never play her and I win. I would assume the same could be said about Prosper. So that's yep. where, for me, a lot of times the deck, the commander, it's like, ugh, you're kind of boring. Mm -hmm. um, so that's where I do think, though, that the flavor of EDH comes in with what is it, 20,000 plus cards at our disposal, right. 23,000, I think might be the latest number. Um, insane. You might be able to enable some weird, crappy yeah. mechanics because it's like, oh, playing this from exile usually does nothing. Well, at least I get a treasure out of it. It's value, but it's still not going to win you the game. So I, ha I came up with some interesting things okay. that could do it, but I think that's my biggest issue is like, yeah. you're talking about precast, Barchesa of the Dusk Rose. Dusk Rose? Dark Rose? Dark Rose. Uh, I own that. I own that. Deck. Yeah, you play. You have that deck. On. What is is it? Dark Rose. Hold on. You keep you keep talking. I'll figure. Yeah, this out. Dusk Rose is the Orzov chick. Black Rose. Black Mar Rose. Marquesa the Black Rose, and then Queen Black Marquesa Rose. is the other one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like Queen Marquesa, the your you know Marquesa the Black Rose. You could see how she wins on her face. Yeah. It's like theft counters. I get to keep your stuff. And so I'm going to kill you through that. It's just Prosper. It's like, okay, uh, your impulse card draw and potential one-time uh, mana ramp if you play something from it. But other than that, there's not a whole lot there. So yeah, we'll we'll see kind of how we can make Prosper interesting. Um, but I really wonder, Tuck, did you build this deck that Prosper has to... Did you build it top down? I got to have Prosper out because I need that impulse and those treasures. Or do you look at him as just like, oh, you're a value engine. When I get to you, I get to you. I really think it's the treasure part that it, that comes in clutch, right? Because you're going to get the card... Like, you have enough... I have enough card drawn here. I have 32 grain, 17 hops, 12 yeast, and 3 spice, right? So, yeah. and I think there's some crossover across these... Um, especially from the hops in the grain and vice versa. So there's a lot of ways to draw these cards. And I think where Prosper really shines is that treasure ability, right? More so than just getting a free card, getting that treasure out and getting those out a lot. Like the times where I played him, he's netted me five treasures in a couple of turns, right? And then now you can, you can hit your tail end of the curve so much faster and just get a lot of value. But I will, I will admit to your point, like what... Is he a yeast card because he gives me the tokens or is he a grain card? He, cause he enables these yeast cards, right? Like, yeah, I really see him more as like the wheel to the rest of the tank. 
Like the, mm. there's there's these big things, and this is kind of helps him get these bigger things into combat. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, uh, you know, from a deck perspective, now collective, you might be shocked. Ron Moxfield. I had enough of tapped out. I couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> Uh, but Big Tuck, it's interesting, 34% of your deck needs black, 50% of your deck can apparently produce black, 58% of your deck needs red, and 53% of your deck can produce red. Seems like you're about there on the red, super yeah. off on the black, it's like you're producing way more black than red. When you've played the deck, do you feel like you need more red or do you feel like nope. it's very well balanced? No problem. And honestly, this I didn't put it in. This is the first time I put it in uh, to anything where I was tracking that. So I notice I'm running a lot of swamps and mountains. So I could add in some more um, mana fixing through there, right? There's still some a lot of options there that I could pull in. Uh, I'll also say that the this was originally just a pre-con plus a $15 budget for one of our budget challenges here. So there's still a lot of room that I could put into the mana base, potentially with some playtest cards with this proxy shop. There we go. Uh, from a cost perspective, what's what's it cost to buy this deck, Tuck? 155. So it's not terrible. It's not, and there's some I I some I was owed some money from someone, so I got some <laughs> like five extremely expensive cards that I would never buy normally that make up like there's two of them I think that make up almost half of that in the, in the foil versions I got. So the the straight the straight precon plus fifteen dollars it was about the same, just a little less clunky are a little more clunky and maybe didn't have as much juice as this version would have. And what does your average CMC look like? So this is an interesting one. It says it's 2.32 with lands and then 3.65 without lands. Do you have Correct. any idea what the metric was on tapped out? I assume it was without lands, so, right? Yeah, metric uh, tapped out always did it without lands. But here's the thing: so three six five is kind of fine. Um, it's kind. of, I know kinda that I'm gonna high. be ramping out, but I'm gonna be ramping out, right? So it's like um, there's some decks that we talked about where it's like, yeah, you have a four, you have a four point zero mana base CMC, but you know that you're gonna be getting it out quicker, or cheating out into play. True, true. But here's the metric: like two point three two with lands. That doesn't help me at all. Like that's such a, I feel like that's such a useless, useless metric, right? Like, but I, I think you need to think about it. I believe the guys that developed Moxfield were competitive players. Yeah, and I right. bet you the total decks average CMC does matter in competitive. Sure, I right. bet you they're probably trying to get to like one or less. I got for it. the yeah, total yeah. deck. Yeah, that makes sense. But for me, I'm just like, I don't like. I don't know. That doesn't do anything for me. So what do you got to do? Well, uh, I, I give you the courtesy of three clicks. Um, and something we're going to start doing anytime we do a Moxfield deck is talking about what the the random opening hand was. Oh, so okay. I've, I've done dealt another hand twice. We've looked at three hands. Uh, Tuck, let us know if this hand would work for you. Uh, Zellifrin Void, the land. Yep. You find some prisoners, I assume. Under Dark Rift, Racto Signet, Rise of the Dark Realms, Bag of Devouring, Dead Man's Chest. Does that work for you or no? I think so, because that's two lands in a, in a signet, right? Yep. Okay, so, yeah, that'll go. I get to If I can get one more land, we can get Prosper out and get the chain going. Worst case scenario, we can always do Dead Man's Chest on someone's Mana Dork and maybe get some value out of that kind of late mid to late game. It's a little greasy. It's not... I would, it, well, I guess with Zephyrian Void, you get, like, a free peak as well, right? You get a free Well, scry, that free so. peak would have been a Bedevil. I assume that goes to bottom. That would go straight to bottom. <laughs> 
And then you get Ignite the Future after that, followed by an Arcane Signet. So it might be a little rough out of the gates. Yeah. But I think we got, I think it's okay. Um, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I like that though. I like right. that. I like that. I like doing that little bit there. Well, let's go ahead and dive into this. Tuck, your deck, you start. Gramp, grain section, what are you putting in first? Uh, I was very excited about this card when I saw it in Crimson Vow, and I'm glad I have one in the fancy one. One of the two Planeswalkers in here, uh, the artwork is on this, and I do not love, I'm not a big fan of people who are like, oh my god, that's so hot. That girl's so hot on this magic card, right? But I gotta give credit to my girl, Chandra, who is in fact dressed to kill. So we have talked about this, and this card is an all-star in here. One colorless and double red for a three uh, drop legendary planeswalker Chandra. That's a mythic rare. The version I have is $30. I think you can get this normally for about like five, but three solid abilities in this deck. Plus one at a red Chandra uh, dress to kill deals one damage to up to one target player or planeswalker. Pretty solid. It's a paradise removal. Boom. Boom. Well, not quite, but yeah. Yeah, but uh, enough. And put a yeah. planeswalker down, right? If they're going too yeah. fast, but more like ramp, right? It's like a, it pays for itself. The turn comes out. Kind of like mm-hmm. a bad commander sphere. Plus one, exile the top card of your library. If it's red, you may cast it this turn, which we'll get into. I know, I know. We'll get into it. Then minus seven, exile the top five cards of your library. You may cast red spells from among them this turn. You get an emblem with whenever you cast a red spell. This emblem deals X damage to any target where X is the amount of mana spent to cast that spell. So I think I haven't done, the, I haven't crunched the numbers on this yet. But if I have over 58 of the deck, 8% of the deck has red in it, then I feel pretty confident that it's going to be able to use that plus ability and not just whiff on a card. But regardless of that, if that happens but every... Yeah, go ahead. You haven't added in your lands because it's just mm. exile the top card. So you actually have to add in your yeah. land count to that as well. Oh, true. So it's really, you're, it's about 35% of your deck is red. Which is, I don't know, I think I'm still willing to take that chance because the cards that I want to be casting are red and it gives you that free mana rock too, right? So I haven't done the well, math with it. I haven't been able to I, play this card yet either, so. Yeah, you're plus one. I, for me, I think I'd always plus one for the add red deal of damage versus sure. the plus one that, unless I had top or something like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I, I'm a greedy asshole. I don't like to throw resources into exile that I can't use. That you can't get back. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. And I haven't. I have not yet played the deck because I'm waiting for a time where I can play all four of my Rakdos decks back to back to back. <laughs> so uh, I'm hoping that this card will do some work in here. If not, I'll just take it out and put in Perforos. <laughs> sure. Uh, well, I don't know why you'd put in Perforos. Better pick would be Alter of the Brood because you got all those treasures coming oh, in. But you know that's neither here nor there. Uh, <laughs> so I, I here here's the thing. Uh, <clears throat> I'd leave it in the deck, period. Even if you don't think it's working how you want, and here's why. It's a three-mana mana rock. Yeah. Uh, we put those in decks all the time. So uh, what I would argue, um, and I love this argument that we do now, you have Arcane Signet in the deck for two mana. If I told you, add one mana to it, oh. and you get all of these abilities, I'm pretty sure you would do that, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a slam dunk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so. look, it, it, as much as I'm poo-pooing the second plus one and even the minus seven a little yeah. bit, you, we already do this. So the yeah. only risk that you have is that it is a Planeswalker and people can target it. But that also, the counter argument is that's life gain because that's less life yeah, than I took. I agree. So I think it's good for the deck, period. I just don't think we need to overextend that second plus one when you're not in a mono red deck. You're in mono red, banger. 
once you start adding those colors, you really start to risk, am I going to be able to actually use right. that card or just an exile forever? And if it is, am I comfortable with getting rid of that card? Sure. Yeah. Interesting. I like it. I like it. I like the analysis. Well, uh, let's just say mine is perfect. It's absolutely choice. Chef's kiss. End of turn. It's about to be me. I've held up all this mana. I might need a commune. Oh, yeah. God, this card's my so deck. good. <laughs> commune with lava? Holy banana hair. Yeah, it's very strong. Uh, X red red instant. Exile the top X cards of your library until the end of your next turn. You may play those cards. And you got, wow. you got, you got an easy one, partner. Hodor? No, Pikachu. Tolera. Oh, <laughs> Pika, Pika, Pika! Fire Rim! Pika, 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 Pika! Pretty I know, that was a little intense. We might it have to put an NSFW on this podcast for that facial expression. Um, or it'll just become an instant meme. Yeah, <laughs> mom, I did it. People make fun of me on the internet. Uh, so I love this card. Um, yeah. Because of the fact that it is placed, so we were able to do the lands. Prosper gives us a treasure as many times as we want for as much as we play from exile. So I'm actually, in this circumstance, I'm okay losing five cards to exile, six cards to exile, because it's, okay, I had mana up for a chaos warp, for uh, whatever I needed. Hell, yeah. you you know, maybe I held it up for gamble and I wanted to try to gamble to, to get the thing. Get something out, and yeah. And it's like, all right, I still got some mana left. Spend it on this. I got five. Ooh, two lands and three cards. Play a land. That's a treasure. Let me use that treasure in that land. That Let me play this card. That's another treasure. Mm -hmm. You could do a lot more with this a lot quicker because you can wait everything at instant speed. If it was sorcery speed, significantly worse. I So I completely agree. And I, I thought this card was trash when I first read it. But then I realized it says until the end of your next turn. I yep. thought this card was just, you can only do that this turn. It's like this card is unplayable, right? Like... You're you're so far behind, and there's so many other things that are going to let you do efficiently. But yes, great set, great outlet for your treasures. Great way to rebuild. Um, just like an insanely strong card in this build. That's pretty much all I got to say about that. It's a good one. All right. Well, Forrest Gump, what's your next card? <laughs> I was just listening to podcasts about them as well. So I think this is the only. So I looked it up. I think there's only eleven Typhlings that are printed. Maybe even less than that. And I think this is the only other one that I would ever see. Besides Prosper, huh. because he's a little he's a little on the grim side, but you can hire him out because he's a grim hireling. Three colorless and a black for a three-two Typhlene Rogue. That's whenever one what whenever one or more creatures you control deals combat damage to a player, create two treasure tokens, and then for a black and sacrifice X treasures. Target creature gets minus X minus X until end of turn. Activate only as a sorcery. So for some reason, this is the chase card in the deck. This is ten dollars. Yeah. I don't understand why. Maybe for Rogue... Well, you can't even play... Well, you can play it in Rogue's deck. So maybe in that or just because you get a lot of... You can get a lot of value out of it. But here's the way that's worked for me before. I put this more as a grain because of the fact that Prosper has Death Touch. So sure. I feel like there's a lot of situations where you can go in, especially with my political machinery that I like to do and be like, look, I just want to just... Let me get a taste. Just one. You're not going to lose from commander damage. I might get some resources. And then maybe I Everything's going to be from... fine. It's, it's going to be fine. It's just, a, it's just a taste for God's sakes. Uh, so, and there are some creatures in here that do have evasion or can like, can hit in, which we'll get into a little bit later. So I like that sort of thing. And for me, I just, that's mostly why I like it. And then 
if you're in a pinch and you do have a deluge of treasures, you can get rid of something maybe indestructible, some big commander, some way to save yourself. But I don't really want to be sacrificing my treasures just to burn something out. Um, I get it. It's in the pre-con, so it's here. Um, I didn't cut it, but I would put this as a card to cut. You think so? Uh, well, because it is the one or more creatures you control deal combat damage. Right. If it was just, you know, whatever a creature you control deals combat damage, even if it was like a creature with death touch deals combat damage, get two treasure tokens. Okay, oh, that's be better. Good. We could, we could kind of play around that a little bit. Sure. Um, that second ability is absolute trash. I would, <laughs> if you are paying a black and sacking like six treasures to give something negative six, negative six at sorcery speed. Yeah. <laughs> You are in That's, way yeah. dire straits because you just burned seven mana to do right. that. Right. <laughs> to maybe kill one thing, right? Yes. Maybe. <laughs> That's why that's why I'm saying where it's like, I don't understand why this card is expensive, right? Like you can only get you only get its one you only get its first ability once, and then that second one is bad too. So I don't know. Well, the next card I, I want to talk about, I just think needs to be played more. Um it's not super cool or exciting. Oh uh but sometimes you need to get a lot of mana at once, just a ton, and your opponents are all tapped out, and that makes it even better. So Mana Geyser is an amazing card that I just kind of wanted to talk about for more of a PSA, because sure. I think pe more people need to play it. Three colorless, red, red, sorcery. Add a red for each tapped land your opponents control so at a dollar... 27 uh and you got your you got your gal lannis set coming in here to to sing this one out for everyone why it's Eileen. week after week it's always her <laughs> she's popular she's not <laughs> the quicksilver see his bubble at the indignity the volshock shaman just smiled <laughs> very nice get that do you have the do you have the uh do you have access to the claps uh i i you know what I do. Yeah, I like. I but, like. But the more. But more uh, a pro would be this. Yeah, there you are. Uh, this was the first card I put in here. Uh, I, immediately Good. when I had the thing. Do you think that people don't play it because they just feel like this is? A, they feel like this card's only good in like spell slingers. I think there could be some of that. I think also they're looking at the CMC and the sorcery speed. And mm. like five mana and that it's like, oh, but like how often is everyone going to be tapped out and yeah. all of these things? I think people in magic, at least in commander, um, overthink how often people have open mana. Like open mana is not that frequently. <laughs> right. And if it so is, I think it, it's a little it is, bit of like that. One, it's just yeah, one. It's yeah, they have like ones open for soul to plowshares, right? Or two open yeah. for counter spell. And that's like even sure. in the late game, right? So I think that's a good point. I guess the only other thing is like it's just red. So some people will probably be like, oh, my mana fixing. You're like, well, not really. But yeah, but you know what? It's like, how often do you just need colorless mana? Just to dump in like, something, right? Like literally, okay, black, black, let me cast that. Oh, I got 20 out of it, exsanguinate. I don't think it's yeah. cared that it was red mana. It just cared no. that it melted everyone. Ex ex exactly. Completely agree there, too. All right. Well, what's your last grain? I I'm 90% sure you're going to cut this card because I know you hate it. Uh, but this is what, maybe my favorite card that got printed. And it's playing into the yeast way that I kind of like to win with this one because it's a sharing card. It's a big sharing is carrying card. You know how much I love these. It's kind of like a bad knowledge pool, but only costs two instead of like nine. And that's why we're going to... What gonna, is it? 
We're going to take those spoils and we're going to share them. We're going to share them with everybody. This card's incredible. Colonists in a red for an enchantment for 31 cents. When it enters the battlefield or an opponent loses the game, exile the top card of each player's library. During each player's turn, that may player that player may play a land or cast a spell from among cards exiled with share the spoils. And they may spend mana as though or mana of any color to cast that spell. When they do, exile the top card of their library. It's like an outpost siege for two less. You get a free card every turn. And then if you're playing someone with like green or someone with a huge land count, you can fix your mana that way. If someone's got some sort of ramp spell, that's what happened when I played this. Someone literally I untapped and there was a cultivate in there. So I was like, great. Like what also I got to play cultivate and rack those. Uh, again, very, very, I would say the, the ceiling on this is maybe an inch off the floor, right? <laughs> <laughs> It's kind of, it's kind of, it's, it's a very small house, but I love it. Like this is the the kind of card I like to have that lets everyone kind of have a new sort of sub game. It's another thing you have to remind everyone that's an ability. I, I don't know. I love it. I, I, I want to put this in more decks, but I just can't fight the right ones. So I'm so, not cutting so, it. Okay. I was uh, like, so how, so how quickly did you decide to cut this one? Yeah, I'm, I'm not cutting it. Uh, I was actually looking up to see, if there's any card out there that you could do, huh? I was trying to see if there's, oh, there we go. Ah, dang it, it's in white. That card with Draineth Magistrate. Oh, God. Would make it where only you get to play it from Exile. And then it's all the oh. laughter. <laughs> that car, I hate that card. Um, hey, maybe you could make a Prosper Tonebound. Just add white for that uh, non-partner legend challenge. There you God, go. Now that, you got that it. Be, that would actually be really sweet. This card, this deck would be <laughs> amazing with some white in it. Um, but yeah, I mean, the card's fine. It's just there's always that inherent risk, especially yeah. with the clause of you may spend mana as or mana of any color. You might be giving someone a Kozilek. You might be giving someone your yeast cards that we won't talk about early. Um, sure. Or, you know, your own mana geyser. I mean, it's just, I think Magic has become, and I know your playgroup out in, on the East right. Coast is different, but Magic as a whole has become a little bit more cutthroat, even yeah, in more fun, casual decks. And Share the Spoils just screams cutthroat like heaven. Like, mm. haha, I'm going to bash you in the face with your own cards yeah, that wasn't even my plan <laughs> there's, there's gonna be one there's gonna be one person who's gonna get the best out of this potentially but it could be me you never know that's could why it's you. so great the variants well uh i'll wrap this up with my All last right. one uh this is a card that if you're not getting it every turn uh then your deck's doing something wrong wild magic sorcerer oh yeah amazing uh three colorless red creature orc shaman the first spell you cast from exile each turn has Cascade. Uh, and the thing I love about that is because the first spell you cast gets you a treasure. You get the free Cascade, which also casts from exile, which gets you a treasure. So this little 4-3 dude got you two treasures for literally everything you do from exile, as long as Prosper is on the battlefield. Amazingly powerful. Do you think this card would be good if we did like a rare non-legend as your commander? Like, do you think you could build around this, or is it too? Oh is yeah, the... it would be spell slinger. It would yeah. you would have this in the command zone with like another blue, probably card. Um, I mean, hell, you could even probably. Oh man, what about him and Maelstrom Wanderer? Oh, Ooh. that'd be incredible! Oh my god! And, and in those colors, you too, like you'd be able to do this every turn. The problem with this one is there's not a whole ton of instants 
there's not a lot of mm. things to do on other people's turns, so you don't get you don't get the value as much as you probably should. Um, but well, this, you know, a Velvet and Ori would just fix that. I I have a spare. Oh man, is that where this needs to go? I don't know. I hate that card so much. Well, guys, that's going to wrap up the green section. Now let's head over to how this deck interacts with all of the opponents and the hot profile. And I'll start this off with a pretty cool card. Um, you know, it involves a chest and that of a dead man. It's the dead man's chest. Uh, colorless <laughs> black enchantment aura uh, for 35 cents. Enchant creature an opponent controls. When enchanted creature dies, exile cards equal to its power from the top of its owner's library. You may cast spells from among those cards for as long as they remained exiled, and you may spend mana as though it were mana of any type to cast those spells. Very much, Tuck, like our deck that we talked about last week, where I needed to put in uh, uh, Helio- Hall of Helios Generosity. Oh, you yeah. had this deck and getting Dead Man's Chest back over and over and over. Oh my god. Yeah. I, that's the only thing I, that's my only downside of it. It's like, this is going to be a total one shot thing in this deck, right? I don't think I have any, I have very little graveyard recursion, especially for enchantments. Um, well, let me ask you this, because I know you like the numbers. What's the minimum size creature that you would want to stick this on? A four, four. Four? Yeah. I was going to say yeah. maybe, maybe a three, but I think a four, four is like the perfect, because you're getting, you're getting double your ratio with the four, four, right? You're paying two mana and getting four cards to choose from, sure. right? My, more my thinking is the way that this deck should be playing is you'll probably always have four to five cards in hand, right? which I think is like good. That That's like a lot of options. Um, and so it's just like, well, I'm not desperate. So I don't need to put it on a three, three or a two, two. I think if you put it for me, if I put it on anything less than four, it's because I got two cards in hand and I just, I need, you need I something. need something. Yeah. I need something. But I feel like if I have a decent grip, which this deck always should, I'm willing to hold out a few turns until I can find the right big mm-hmm. boy creature. Or even a creature that I know my opponent's about to swords up next turn and do all yeah. of the stuff to it. Yeah, that's a, I like that a lot. Um, I got this card played against me. I'm pretty sure someone stole this from my share of the spoils, if I remember correctly. So... Uh, I haven't seen it go to town, but I think this is one of the stronger ones to get these exile cards in the deck for sure. Well, Tuck, what's your next hop card? All right. So this is a card that I don't feel anyone plays. And I think we should see it way more because not only is it a two drop mana rock, it also kind of acts as like a key to the city. Hmm. And cool, that, would that be? it would be this little boy, an ebony fly. So for two colorless, you get this artifact that's 19 cents. It enters the battlefield tapped, which is fine. So do all of the, uh, whatever they call them, the diamonds and whatnot, sky diamonds and those sort of things, the, those mana rocks. So you tap it for a, a colorless, a diamond specifically. Then for four, you can roll a D6. And then until an end of turn, you may have Ebony Fly become an XX insect artifact creature with flying where X is the result. And that does not require a tap. So you can use itself to pay for it. And then, but if you do, it's kind of stupid because whenever you yeah, attack, it tap. <laughs> whenever you, it attacks, another target attacking creature gains flying until end of turn. And I will tell you this, that won me the game because I can't remember what sequence uh, I had, but I gave Prosper flying just for a taste, right? As we all know, I, this would be a 2-2. I'd give Prosper flying. I'd get something out of it every single time. I don't remember what it was, but I like the fact that this can kind of act as like a worse version of a key to the city. But it still lets you tap for mana as well if you need it in a pinch. 
So I'm starting. I'm starting to put this in more decks that care about creatures getting through the red zone. I'm here for Ebony Fly. I think. It, I think this card's a sleeper. That this card's terrible. Uh, <laughs> I'm cutting it immediately. It should not be played. Uh, the man lands are better than this by far. Oh, so no, ah. no, no. There's no argument. It's just they're better. It doesn't even have infect. At so, least if it had infect, you could make an argument. An insect artifact or an insect artifact with infect in flying. Okay, at well, least that's something. That's way too. No, good. it wouldn't be insane. No, it's a D six. It's either a one one two two three three four four five five. Uh, it can't pay for itself because then it's tapped. Yeah, because it's tapped. True, but uh, you, you also yeah. get a mana rock out of it for two. Right, people play that prismatic lands. So what? So what do you got to use it for? The soaring on turn you two. You can do other cards that come in tapped for two and produce more mana than just I'm, one. I'm I'm hot it's, on it's it. A, fly. I'm hot. Well, it's I'm a hot stupid on it. card. It's a stupid card, <laughs> and it doesn't make any sense in this deck. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Usually, and here's the thing, guys. I'm usually the one that's like, Tuck, just because you're cutting a card, you can't just refuse to talk about it. If I want to talk about it, that's very true. People want content. But here's the thing. This card literally does nothing for the entire deck at all in any way, shape, or form. It's not a hop, grain, yeast, or spice. Uh, no, sorry. It is a spice. It's perfect spice. <laughs> yeah, I guess it taps mana the turn after it comes down. Sure. And, yeah, I guess I could waste four mana to roll a D6 and maybe have it be a 1-1 one, one flyer that then maybe someone doesn't lightning bolt it and I could swing and therefore it gets prosper flying as well. Uh -huh. Get out of here. It's uh -huh. stupid. We're moving on. Okay. I got a thought. All right. It's incredible. Uh, this card, though, got? is incredible because it screws over token players. Um, it's an amazing board wipe for only one more mana than Damnation. We're talking Deadly Tempest. Four colorless black black sorcery. Destroy all creatures. Each player loses life equal to the number of creatures they controlled that were destroyed this way. Wow, that is so good. I mean, it's more of just like a lot of five mana board wipes are out there, like that yeah. terrible crux of fate that you won't stop talking about. Oh no, I'm, I'm over shocked the, I'm, that I don't see in the list. I'm over. I'm over that card. It's like five dollars now. <laughs> That's the only reason you're over it. It's because it's five dollars. Yeah. Well, I like this card way better, but I agree with you. <laughs> but yeah, this for one more mana. Like, okay, like, I'm sure you're more than happy to lose five life because the token player across from you is about to lose 15 or yeah. someone's about to lose 20. That's amazing. Completely agree. Uh, and if you remember, this card has a special place in our hearts because back in the day, this is one of our spoiler cards that we got from Wizards themselves. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think this has text that I have. It sure does. Read. Okay, we got a new one. Uh, Droth, which is the Asian father disappointed in report card. Run it back. This is a, I feel like you're doing the same wheel as last week. Well, it's all the same wheel because it's I it's it's the same website. <laughs> I can't make up the choices. Well, Tuck, listen up. Okay. When the winds blow, you shame our family. Because it always comes out of the abyss. Death should be your only way to get gain our favor back. But it is only the harvest. <laughs> whatever whatever you play deadly, whenever you play Ebony Fly in a deck, you've you brought great shame upon our family. Oh, my God. All right. Well, uh, Tuck, give us your second hop card. Okay. So uh, this one I like a lot because it does two things. First off, it's a pretty good removal spell for the cost, um, but also it lets you get another card off of it and maybe lets you get something really big off the board late in the game. But unfortunately, it's got a little naughty word in it. So for those listeners who are, you know, um, a little squeamish around these sort of things. Uh, hurl through H-E double hockey sticks, I think is how this is pronounced. Hurt through heck, potentially. 
So two colors in Rakdos, my favorite color combination. Uh, you have an instant add a rare for 63 cents that says exile target creature. Until the end of your next turn, you may cast that card. You may spend mana as though it was mana of any color to cast that spell. And I do have a little bit of flavor text here, which is the Vorn Clicks, the coffee shop barista short on time. <clears throat> Look, man, I don't know. Is your name what Persper? I, whatever. This thing is this this Mochaccino can't be unchanged. You can't return it because it cannot be changed. No one returns unchanged. Oh, get out of here. Uh, so it's funny, when I started doing my Google image search, I was like, Rakdos, play from exile, like, interesting. This is the first card that came up. And really? I was like, oh, okay. Let, let me put that down on my no, list. And then I sure enough go over to your list, and it's like, oh, he already has it. Damn. Yeah. Right out of the pre straight from the precon, straight from the mouth itself. Now, is this a card that you think should be played a ton more because it can get rid of those Monster Mash creatures for good? It, yeah, I mean... With the flexibility to play it yourself. Right, I think it just... Actually, no. Yeah, it should. Because one or one or other deck would this is really good in? The original Rakdos. Because I oh. can make... It's, <laughs> it can cost nothing, right? So I do... Oh, what do you good. think about... Do you feel like the... I mean, it's the same thing we've always talked about, right? Like murder with a kicker of one that exiles and lets you play it, right? Yeah. I think that's pretty good. I, the only thing I don't love about it is it has no flexibility. It's just creatures, right? So this could be a dead draw, but I don't know. I, I think it, I think it probably should be seeing a lot more play than it than it does, especially for sixty three cents. Yeah, well, I mean, look, Bedevil is three. Yeah. So this is only one more mana than Bedevil, and I would argue Bedevil probably gets used for the creature and artifact ninety nine percent of the time. The Planeswalker is probably like every once in a while. Yeah. So, but then it's like, okay, but really, are you putting in Bedevil for the artifact or for the creature? And I think most people would say, well, it is mainly, mainly there for the creature. Creature, yeah. With flexibility with for the artifact. So it's like, okay, so you were cool with all that. Well, how about one more mana? It's only creatures and it gets exiled forever. And then you can actually cast it if you decide you want to by the end of your next turn. It's like, oh, well, that seems like way yeah. more upside than just having the flexibility to get rid of an artifact, at least in my opinion. But then I guess that is that slippery slope tuck of because we've been on this thing of, well, what if for one yeah, more one mana? More, right, Eventually yeah. it becomes like, well, this spell costs nine, but what if for one more mana, <laughs> you could also you can, get this? Yeah. When does, like, where does it stop, right? You, you can just add that argument to everything. So good. I'm, no, yeah. I'm, glad, I'm glad you like it as well. Well, the last card I want to talk about is your boy. He's the Lord of Luxury. Oh, yeah. He's always on everything. He's on everyone's guest list. His name's Gaunty, Lord of Luxury. <laughs> he's too colorless, black, black, darling. He's the he's just the toast of the town of Manhattan. Legendary creature, Ethelborn Rogue. He's a 2-3. He has Death Touch. And when Gaunty walks into the room, he is what happens. He looks at the top four cards of target opponent's library, and he decides to Andy Delvey's they ass. He exiles one of them face <laughs> what, down, what and it the, puts the rest of them on the library. At the, what is this accent? It's not on the list. And then, it, and, and then they can look at it and, you know, cast it in a random order. And just like Anna Delvey, he may cast that card for as long as it remains exiled and, and may call on those strings, you know, those favors. And they spend mana, basically anyone's money of any kind, to cast that spell. Is this from a movie or something? I'm so I, I was trying to do a mix of, like, this bougie, uh, almost thinking of, like, the writer, the head writer or editor-in-chief at, like, Vogue. Oh, like, how they're sure. just, like, Big snotty yeah, and, like, right. what, yeah. Uh, so, Gonti's obviously an auto-include in here. You can yeah. still get him for 35 cents, which is great. 
two colorless uh, black black is very fair for everything you get for it. It's not on curve with the two three, but we care about the exile. Yeah, and Gonki exactly. gets played in decks that don't even care about exile. So you gotta have them. Yeah, there's no there's no confusion for me. And then the best part is the turn after this, you can untap and then with Ebony Fly give him flying. So now he's a flying and death toucher. And you can just punch someone right in the face for two. Why do you need flying? You already have death touch. Just swing in with death touch. Just now you have double. Now you have uh, twice the options. Oh my gosh! In this, in this for me. What's <laughs> okay. the last hop card? Uh, this one I like a lot. I've not ever drawn it or got to play it. I will talk about our pal Lorcan Warlock Collector. So five How colors. Did I know you were going to do that. Why? Because it's because it's amazing. Screamed you. It's so good. Seven mana is a lot. Fly, I can, nothing can shock me. <laughs> six six or ebony fly. A six. Yeah, right. Uh, six six flyer. So you don't need ebony fly for this. So that's one. That's one check on the ebony fly. Take it out guard list. But whenever a creature card is put into opponent's graveyard from anywhere, you may pay life equal to its mana value. If you do, put it on the battlefield under your control. It's a warlock in addition to its other types. If a warlock you can control would die, exile it instead. So I think that this card, I think that this deck is a really strong mid to late range game, right? There's a lot of utility. There's a lot of removal, um, a lot of ways that you're going to be able to control the board. I think Lorcan is something that if you can get out early is really going to help build up your army. The thing that I like the most about it is that it's flexible, right? Because then you're like, oh, well, if someone board wipes, you're just like dead, right? Mm -hmm. Potentially. Or if someone does like minus three, minus three and kills a bunch of stuff, you have to put it in. I like how you have this as a value. Obviously, Prosper himself is a warlock as well. So if he dies, you will lose him. But 90% of the time, he's just going to go back to the command zone anyway. So yep. I don't really see that as being a huge issue in this deck. Uh, like I said, haven't played this one. Uh, this is like the backup commander build around of the deck if you want to go that way. Sure. But I think it's got a lot of upsides, a lot of potential. I like it a lot. The only reason I didn't talk about it is it is seven mana. It's a lot. It's a lot of mana. Um, it's a great effect. I mean, everything on the card is awesome. I think I would rather like, and of course I, I'm making the card more OP, uh, right. but I think I would rather get rid of flying and do like hexproof or shroud or oh, protection yeah. from white or something like that. I think I would like him to have some sort of true evasion protection, uh, to where it's like, I have to board wipe to get rid of them. I like that. I like those kind of interactions where it's yeah. like, man, this card is providing lots of value because on the, on its face, he's not doing it himself. You still have to have ways to make them have their creatures die. Right. Right. And right. be able to bring them back um, and have that not be their commanders. Cause they can just send it to the command zone. So I, I do really, really like all of his abilities. It's just, he doesn't do it all on his own. So if for seven mana, let's give him something to where if you finally put all the investment in, it's not like, ha ha murder. And I, I can, hey, yeah. Huck just thought of it. They could have given it Ward. Ward oh, was a new mechanic. Been awesome. they just, just give it like Ward three life or Ward five life. Oh, that would even be better because this guy is going, he wants to gather 13 warlocks in his collection, right? So like mm. he would have protection from spells. I I completely agree with the flying. It's like, okay, I guess I can kind of maybe win with him, but it's not like he has in fact, it's just a six six yep. flyer, like dice removal. So yeah, having ward or something like that would be way better, but Again, how far does that push him to being too good? Who's to say? Yeah. Well, guys, that's going to wrap up the hop section. Now we're going to head over to the winning board state and yeast. Tuck, I know this is why you wanted to talk about the deck, is you right. wanted my help to figure out what is working on the winning side, what do we need to add to win. So what is the first card you thought we should be talking about as a win condition? So I 
I think that there's a class in here that obviously is in here for flavor purposes, right? Like it's in here because it's a warlock card to some extent. But I think that this is an interesting card to sink a lot of mana into, which is going to play more into how I want the deck to function with some cuts and adds. And that one is Warlock class. So pretty pretty interesting card here as all the classes are. 17 cents for one, for one drop. It's one black. At the beginning of your end step, if a creature died this turn, each opponent loses one life, which is kind of like, okay, I don't run a lot of tokens, so that's going to be more sure. incidental. When it comes to two, look at the top, which costs a colorless and a black. When it goes level two, look at the top three cards of your library. Put one of them into your hand and the rest into your graveyard. At some point, you're probably just going to need to draw a card, and this is going to let you do it. But most importantly, the seven for level three oh. is where this really gets interesting. I'll give you your end step. Each opponent loses life equal to the life they lost this turn. So for yep. me, I mean, wound reflection is probably just a better version of this. But I do like that this kind of gets you value throughout the game. And I really feel that when I played it, People are like, oh, I don't even care, right? Whatever. <laughs> like, what am I? What are you gonna do with that? You play turn one, and they're like, are you gonna be sacrificing creatures on other people's turns? It's like, no, I have two creatures on the battlefield the entire game, and one of them is my commander. But like, slowly over time, you can start putting resources into it. And when you do get that deluge of, um, when you get that deluge of treasure tokens, this is something that you can kind of sink it into whenever you want, and then lead into turns where you are gonna be dealing a lot of damage through some of the things that that I'm hoping to add in and one of the other cards in here. Well, uh, fine card for the deck. Um, I wouldn't cut it just because it's one mana. Um, if this was yeah. anything more than one mana, I would cut it uh, because then it's just throwing your CMC even more further high like oh, yeah. on the scale. Um, so for it's fine. Uh, I will say this is not the ideal deck for this card. Uh, my Shirai deck would like this way more oh, God. Than, is it in there? than your deck. No. Oh. That that deck is so tuned that right. like, there's, there's I, no room I, left. <laughs> I, I literally, it's just like I have to replace cards in it with just better new versions of the same card. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So uh, is it a yeast card? No, it's not. And I think that's okay to accept because <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> the wound reflection mechanic with the way that you have this built, I don't think you're actually doing damage to people on everyone's turns all the time. And so, like, eventually having to pay, what, seven, eight, nine, ten mana to get to that effect, I don't think that's a very good use of resources. But I could see how you're going to get some value from it. Right. So I think it's fine for the deck. But I, for me, would call this more of a spice. Just because in Fringe, it could win you the game if you right, put right, 10 right. mana into it. Just like in Fringe, sinking uh, X equals 8 into Torment to Hailfire could win you the game. <laughs> sure. But is that yeah. what you're trying to do? Probably not. Yeah, yeah, so it's yeah. probably not that. It's probably more of a hops because it's like, oh, I'm just going to do it for three. So I'm trying to get rid of those yep. three biggest things. So that's just that's just my humble opinion, but it's a fine card for the deck. I don't. Yeah. Okay. I think that's fair. Yeah. Um, all right. We're gonna we're gonna go with the boring one first. It's the it's it's the the dino. Oh sure. Uh, Atali Primal Storm. Uh, four colorless red red legendary creature elder dinosaur six six. Whenever it attacks, exile the top card of each player's library. Then you may cast any number of spells from among them without paying their mana costs. Uh, give me a give me a voice real quick, because because we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on this. Uh, okay, Gandalf the White in the forest, Malimo. Who? Uh, Gandalf the White from the forest. Oh, from Lord of the Rings. Oh, well, no, you threw me off with the Malimu. Oh, like, that's who, who the that's hell who is supposed, That's who it's supposed to be, <laughs> Malimo Mar, 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 Mar Sorcerer or something like that. I don't I don't actually remember. I just 
no Gandalf, so I'm just going to talk yeah, just, as Gandalf. I think, I think you could just go with that one. I'm, I can't help you. <laughs> All right. Got to channel my my inner, uh, what's it, Ian Fleming? Fleming? Ian, Ian McKellen. McKellen. Ian, Flem- Ian Fleming wrote the James Bond books. Oh, there we go. Oh, they're both British. <laughs> Potentially both gay? Who knows? The storm rages. And the earth quakes. Breaks. Run! Run, you fool! Fly, you fools! Uh, so the reason I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this card, guys, is we've talked a lot about this card in the past on our channel. Sure. Um, it's a card that gets seen fairly frequently, but it is a banger in here because you got a six, six, it's going to on attack. It doesn't even have to do damage. Yep. You're literally getting four prosper triggers. I mean, it's just that yeah. simple. It's, so it's now it's, you could get unlucky. Cause I have seen Atali multiple times in a single game, get three lands yeah. off the, <laughs> the tops, which sucks. But nine times out of ten, this card is going to push it over the edge, especially in this build. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, and then what you can also do is you can uh, give him flying with Ebony Fly and really start poking in on that six. I swear to Christ, if you do not stop talking about the shitty, shitty fly, I'm going to mail you a poop package. I'm, I'm going to quit the podcast. I've said it once. I've said it once. I've said a hundred times. God, you better give me a better yeast card. You better give me a good number two. Okay. I think I got one because it's kind of like it's it's very similar to Atali, but it's got to be something that's you're going to get a lot more value of throughout the course of the game. Because I feel like Atali is going to be something that's just going to get sniped pretty quickly. So instead of stealing a card from combat, we can potentially steal a strategy mm. from our opponents with stolen strategy, a card that I thought would never be expensive. And now because of this deck is fifteen dollars. So four colorless and a red for an enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, exile the top card of each opponent's library. Until end of turn, you may cast non-land cards from among those exiled cards. You may spend mana as those mana of any color to cast those spells. There is a lot of cards in here that are playing with your opponent's library. And I feel like that's going to be a big way for me to win your Atali's, your uh, share the spoils and these sort of things. I'm kind of banking on playing with opponents that have maybe more impactful creatures, maybe more impactful big spells. And with Prosper's Treasure Tokens, I think getting this card out a lot earlier or keeping it out and still having stuff to do is going to be uh, it's going to be a lot easier than in some other decks where you kind of have to cheat it out. Yeah, and I I think what you've actually built, Tuck, and maybe this is why you are trying to struggle with a win con. I think you've just built a 75% deck. I kind of feel that where way it's sometimes, like, right? Whatever my opponents are doing, that's kind of what I'm doing. Yeah. Because I, I, as much as I'm trying to play my own deck, a lot of my deck wants to play their deck. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Um, and I like that. I like to play that style, right? That's fun for me. But still, like, if you, you can't just play these cards, the issue with that style and with this deck is it just turns into this, like, revolving door of, I don't really know, right? Like, I can't yeah. really plan for anything because if I hit something monster up stolen strategy, that could completely alter my whole play. Um, so I'm hoping that there's going to be a few ways to get, keep the theme of the deck around, but get a little bit more value out of it. Yeah, sure. Well, the next card I want to talk about, uh, it just gave me a fever when I read it. There's just so much text. Um, <laughs> oh, so we're you like this talk- one. Okay. It's interesting. Uh, fevered yeah. suspicion, six colorless Rakdos. It's black and red. It's a rare for about 59 cents. And it's a sorcery. Each opponent exiles cards from the top of their library until they exile a non-land card. You may cast any number of spells from among those non-land cards without paying their mana costs, and it has rebound. If you cast it from your hand, exile as it resolves. At the beginning of your next upkeep, you may cast it from exile without paying its mana costs. Oof. Here's why I love this card in this deck. Um, 
eight. So I think this card's bad outside of Joda decks. If you're not getting the value that Prosper is giving you. Yes. Because this off the bat is going to give you three treasures on its first resolution and three non-land card spells. Yep. And then on its rebound, you get a treasure for that and three additional for the next three. So literally for eight mana, you actually gained seven mana back. So really, as long as you can get it to resolve both times, then you essentially paid one mana for this spell. And that is value you cannot ignore. I completely agree. And I think this is a card that you want to... This is like what I'm looking for to play on turn five or something like that with Prosper being out, right? Like, I don't want to use these treasures for Grim Hireling. I want to use them to rump out, ran out something like this. That can be so backbreaking. That can be such a big play into the game. Uh, I just, I'm worried that my only concern with it is that since it does cost eight to get there, it could just be a dead card and you're just dead before you even get to resolve it out. Right. But that's how, that's how it is with all these big swingy cards, right? Like it's, it's, you can't, you can't, this is not an argument just for this card. It's kind of an argument for any of these that cost seven or above. Yeah. And I honestly, I think to be frank, if that's really the argument that people are worried about, then it's like, well, I think you need to take a look in the mirror about your play group. Mm. And are you even designing decks that can compete in your play group? Because if you think that having a a couple cards in your deck that are eight, nine, 10 mana, because they're insanely powerful and impactful, it's like, oh, well, if I ever see it, it's probably, I'm probably already dead if I can't cast it or blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, your probably your deck's probably your play group's probably going really really fast. You're probably yeah, in a more yeah, competitive yeah. situation than you realize. <clears throat> Maybe retool your entire deck strategy. Maybe this card still works, but everything else needs to be zero and one drop. Yeah, it's just you're it's trying just to just there, pull yeah. it out as quick as you can. So yeah, I believe it. Okay, all right, I'm here. Well, for it. what is your final yeasty cardi? I got another. I got another creature to talk about. That is kind of like Baby Atali. She's a baby. But this card also used to be 50 cents. And I'm glad I bought the pre-con that she was in because she is now like $8. But she's a creature. She's going to get big and accelerates you through your library. So, of course, we were talking about Lalia, the Blade Reforged. So two colorless and a red for a 2-2 legendary creature spirit warrior uh, with haste. And then whenever she attacks, exile a top card of your library. You may play that card this turn. And then she also has, whenever you exile one or more cards from your library and or your graveyard, you get a 1-1 counter on her. So this card's got to get big. When I played her, she was like a turn... I played her on turn three, and by turn five, I think she was close to 10-10, just from doing what the deck wants, right? She's a little, like, a backup commander is a bad way to discuss it, but instead of giving you a ramp, she gets you a big creature to swing with. So I like her because she gives you your card draw, in the exile and the impulse way, but also can be a threat on herself just by you playing the game. So that's why I'm a big fan of hers. Uh, and this card does do work. I've seen her get big and get scary fast. Yeah, I think she's fine. Um, the biggest thing that I don't like is I don't like her third clause where it's the whenever you exile one or more from your library. Oh, your yeah. Graveyard. So uh, if you do... Because when they start doing the one or more and then it's and or your it's it's like we're, we're, we're taking your uh, pie, your pizza that we're giving you access to and just limiting it down further and further <laughs> Yeah, right, where you right, thought right. you had, you know, maybe three quarters of the pizza you could take a slice from. Now it's like you got a quarter of the pizza you could take exactly, a slice yeah. from. So I don't like all the restrictions on there, but I'm going to trust that you're doing multiple things into exile multiple times a turn. Yeah. So that way you can actually get the plus one, plus one counters multiple times. Cause that's the only way she's ever going to get big is you're going to have to have tons of unique ways 
to exile. Yeah. It's kind of a lot like Sir Nathan. He has a life gain deck. I think it's Karlov of the Ghost Council. It's like whenever you gain life, he gets a 1-1 counter yes, or two 1-1 right. counters. And it's like, he wants to gain life in a lot of small incremental right, ways. A piece here, a piece there. Right, triggers yeah. he can. Yeah, definitely. But seeing as how the deck's built around it, I would hope that I have plenty of ways to do that in turn. <laughs> you would hope. Well, what I don't hope is this badass card everyone freaked out about when I got previewed, and now it's only 50 cents. Uh, we're talking Tectonic Giant. Oh, really my like this God, card. this card is insane. 50 cents. Sorry, 23 cents. Very cheap. Uh, two colorless red red. It's a rare. It's a three four. It's a creature elemental giant. Whenever tectonic giant or uh, attacks or becomes the target of a spell, an opponent controls. Choose one. It gets a lightning bolt. Uh, each opponent for three damage, or exile the top two cards of your library. Ex- uh, choose one of them until the end of your next turn. You may play that card. Um, this card is yeast through and through for this deck. It's so strong. It's like, oh, you did want to target me? Well, I'm going to drain you guys for a collective of nine. Up, oh, you didn't do anything? Well, I'm going to swing with my three, four for a taste, and I'm going to exile a couple cards, choose one. Right. Uh, and then I get to play that card and, until uh, my next turn, which is works perfectly if I've already tapped out and done a bunch of stuff uh, to do other Prosper Exile things. So it does a ton. Um. And it's a great price point for yeah. the value you get. I this card screwed me because we were I was playing my cycling deck on Sunday and I was like, oh cool. Like I don't care. I'll just astral slide them out. Right. Um, and at first I was like, oh God, that's not gonna work. But the one thing to consider on this is it is just a spell, not necessarily an ability. So mm-hmm. I was able to cheese him out a little bit that way, but still this card is really, really good. For four mana, the rate on it's just bonkers. So yeah, I mean, um, this thing does work in my Neheb deck. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's like, yeah, it's like the best card in there. <laughs> Either draws or you gain, what, nine mana? Oh. No, no, no. Flame Rift is the best. Oh, Two that, mana? Yes. I drain that. I get 12 mana out of yeah. it? Hell yeah. I do agree with that. Flame Rift is, if Flame Rift is in a deck, it's usually like the best card. <laughs> well, guys, that's going to wrap up the Yeast Package and how the deck closes out and wins games. Now we're going to head over to the little bit spicier section. And hey, new deck, not a lot of choices, but let's of- see... If Tuck and I sync up, 33% chance. I'm feeling a little reckless. Oh, good. <laughs> good, because that means probably the other card you're talking about, I'm cutting later. Yeah, uh, we're talking reckless endeavor. All right, yeah. Uh, five colorless, red, red, sorcery. Roll two D12s and choose one result. Reckless endeavor deals damage equal to that result to each creature. Then create a number of treasure tokens equal to the other result. right. Tuck, Chef's Kiss, you actually figured out what a spice card is. Um, your deck wants treasures. Yeah. You have some treasure stuff in here. Um, surprisingly, I didn't see uh, uh, the win the game card with treasures. A little shocked by that. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, it's I, It was too expensive for the budget build, but clearly that's not oh, a problem that's anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, I was a little surprised by that, but you still have this treasure thing going. It is kind oh, yeah. of a little bit of a board wipe. Totally works. Mm-hmm. And it's D12s, not D6s. So you're typically going to get a bigger number. So yeah. this thing is Chef's Kiss. Congratulations. It's been uh, close to three years, and you finally got the spice pack. I, I, I finally figured out how to build it. Uh, but you are not quite off the... You're not quite Why am I the, the only yet. one talking today? Why am I the only one talking? You, I'm do, what? No, you're the only one doing... Uh, you're the only one voices. doing... Voices. Yeah. yeah. 
I'm yeah. doing plenty of talking. Okay, but this one's the, another Eiley, uh Southern Bell. Come on, this is an easy one. I'll even do it for you if you if you want me to. No, I do no, no, no. I'm a man of integrity. I I, I am the Batman. <laughs> I, I, damn it, I respect you for it. Which burns more fiercely, your ambition? Oh, the flame. That does sound like this. That does sound like something that someone from the South would tell you, right? Like, over oh, a cup of sweet tea. Absolutely. Honestly, you know what that more sounded like? Because I just watched it like two weeks ago. It sounds like something that the uh, General McGrath w- or the the bad dude from Wild Wild West would say. Oh, uh, Loveless. Yeah, the, the, Loveless. Altar, the altar for Jaredi. Yeah. Yeah. It totally seems like something he would say to Will Smith's uh, character. Be like, which bones, Mo? Fiercely. Yo, ambition. Oh, the flame. Do we have him on the list? I don't think we do. That'd we be a good don't. one. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll put that in the bag. Because uh, we are also talking, oh god, about a bag here. It's crap. It doesn't. We're even talking do about bag devouring. Comes. I don't think it. Is. I think it's not good. Bag. I think this is a non-good card. But I'm like, I don't know. I, it's so hard. So one black for an artifact for 13 cents. <laughs> Whenever you sacrifice another non-token artifact or creature, exile it. Then for two colorless and tap, you can sack another artifact or creature, and you can draw a card. And then finally, three colorless tap. Sacrifice a uh, bag of devouring, roll a d10, return up to 10, or sorry, X cards from among cards exiled to their owner's hands, where X is the result. So the problem is this, is that I don't have a lot of creatures. I don't have a lot of artifacts to sacrifice, right? But there is time, there have been times before where I've had a bunch of treasures, but I've had nothing to do. Like, I can't do anything with them because I don't have any cards in hand. Or the ones that I have in hand only cost like what I have mana for. So sure. I do like the fact that it, you can always sacrifice a treasure. You can turn, this will just turn a treasure into a clue, right? And it might might also turn a food into a clue when we get to the cuts. That's really the only thing I can get out of it. Um, I, I, I think this is a card I probably should cut at some point, but I just, I don't know. I, I like, it's too cute, potentially. <sighs> it's, it's a spice card through and through, but I don't think it's a good spice card. <laughs> Well, here's the thing. It's not a good spice card because it doesn't even kind of loosely connect to your deck. Like if it was something like Sacrifice Bag of uh, Like if it was Sacrifice Bag of Devouring, you may cast a random spell exiled with it this turn without paying its mana cost. Then, okay, it's kind of a spice because you did all this work for one thing. But it at least still does a prosper thing. This doesn't do anything for your deck. I actually had to reread it a few times. It's like, clearly I'm an idiot because he put it in here for a reason. It has to do just something the, with the deck, came, right? Okay, so I'm kinda in the, I was kind of in the same boat. It came in the pre-con, and I was like, well, someone smarter than me put this in here for a reason, I guess. And, <laughs> here we go. I, no one's smarter fuck, than us. Fuck if I know what that is besides turning a treasure into a clue. Ugh. Well, guys, that's going to wrap up the spice package. Now we're going to head over to that bottle capping. And as a reminder, these are going to be big test and ice cuts from the deck. And then we're going to add cards with no budget restriction now, under $5, under 50 bucks, and a no budget recommendation. We just can't talk about mana-only lands. All right, <laughs> Big Tuck, why don't you start us off? What's your under $5 cut, and what's your under $5 add? So this one was tough, but I, the more I read this card, the more I don't love it. And on top of that, it's not fitting for my play group. So uh, Dire Fleet Daredevil, I think, is oh, maybe a little... Really? T- I think it's a little too narrow for for at least the group I'm playing in. Okay. Um, one colorless and a red for a creature, human, pirate. Do we have a bit for that? I guess we don't. Is it just pirate? Thank God. Okay. It's just uh, pirate. It's, it's just okay. pirate. 
<laughs> it's a two one with <laughs> it's a two one with first strike. When it enters the battlefield, exile target instant or sorcery card from an opponent's graveyard. You may cast it this turn, and you may spend mana as though as any mana of any kind to cast that spell. If a spell would be put into a graveyard this turn, exile it instead. So uh, there's this. I don't know. I, I just feel like this doesn't do that much, right? Like it kind of comes in. You maybe get one thing off of it. And I think it would be different. If I was playing a group that was playing more spell slingers, but no one out here does that. Like no one here is playing a lot of blue. Maybe it gets you like a rampant growth or something like that. But I don't know. It just doesn't. Well, this, this card's never really never really sat well with me. I'm not cutting it, but I'm also not defending it. I just want to give you a different perspective sure. with the card. <clears throat> Are you Excuse only me. looking at it from a lens because it's two mana and it's like two mana stuff I traditionally want to play earlier in the game? Because that's not what this card is. This card is yeah. more of a like, do you run fork in any decks where it's like I'm using it for my opponents opposed to me? Uh, yeah, and like so, but I, I think fork's a difficult example because I run it as like a counter spell generally. Mm. Right? Or like or not remove I run it as like a removal less lesser than a Compete rampant growth or an extra turn spell, but no one out here sure. plays those spells. So, but that's the <clears> thing, <throat> though. It's like if you're okay playing fork because you're using it for these other things, then I think dire fleet is fine to do because you could even do it with the counter spell. Think of this, Tuck. Pay two, you cast it. I'm going to exile your counter spell. I can play it till end of turn. Right. I have enough mana. Let me play my game winners. Oh, you you're now going to try to counter yeah. it. I always have a counter spell there to protect me. I think it's just more of the fact I look at it this way. Whatever spell your opponents have, it only costs you one extra to cast it because this will be two, and then you'll yeah. gain a treasure when you bring it back from exile. <clears throat> so, you know, I, I think it has some purpose, but you know your playgroup. If there's if there's never been a even interesting card to play off a of dire fleet, then yeah, just go ahead and cut it. I can't yeah, I can't think I can't think of one. If it was any card, if it costs one more and it was any card. I'd be way more excited, but it's just, if it's just, well, that would also be busted. I agree. Right. But I'm just saying like, that would make me way more excited to play it in here. Sure. Um, but instead, uh, I alluded to this earlier because what do I like more than treasures? Monarch. Well, yes. And I don't have any of that in here, unfortunately, but I do have a card that's kind of like the Monarch. Uh, I know I, whatever. So (laughs) I like, I like to, I like a good mystery and I'm also a hungry, hungry boy. So if I'm already running out a bunch of treasures, I might as well run out a bunch of everything else with Academy Manufacturer. So Oh, you totally set that up wrong. That's mine too. Wait, what? Oh, yes. Wow. Hungry boy. <laughs> I like I like investigations. Yeah, you should have been like, yeah, but it'd be like manufacturing some stuff that it'd be like, oh, okay, I get you. I was talking about this is okay, so this is this is the right one, on the face. This is this is what this is one card that makes me want to keep bag of devo- or bag of devouring in here. Why? Because you can sacrifice okay, so Academy Manufacturers, three cutlass for an artifact creature assembly worker that's a one three. If you would create a clue, food, or treasure token, instead create one of each, right? So obviously this deck's of this deck's completely bonkers in here. But now okay. Bag of Devouring once per turn can turn a food or a treasure into a uh, into a clue. Where? What do you mean? It doesn't create clues anywhere on its body or treasures or food. What Bag of Devouring? Yes. Yeah, but you can pay two colorless and tap it and sacrifice a food, and then you draw a card, which is exactly how much a clue costs. But that's stupid. You, you're I, not I, doing I, anything extra. I'm, I'm just saying, maybe that's why it's uh, Academy I don't Ma- know. No, Academy Manufacturer does nothing with Bag of Devouring. Literally nothing <laughs> other than, I guess you could sacrifice food, like you said, to you be can turn clues. Food and, you can turn food and treasures into clues. 
Yeah, that's that's. Oh my god! You don't like that? You're not buying. You're I'm not picking so up. So quitting this podcast. We, it finally happened. <laughs> okay. It finally happened. So, uh, there's yeah, it's, Academy it's manufacturer. Well, hold on. Since it's both of yeah, ours, yeah, yeah. I was also cutting as Mattis the Archfiend. Um, no way. You think so? Yeah, for sure. Oh, uh, four so colorless, though. black, black. Legendary creature, Devil God. It's a 6-6. Six, six. It has binding contract. If you would draw a card, exile the top card of your library face down instead. Black, black, black. Draw seven cards, which means exile seven cards. Black, return all cards exiled with Asmodus Archfiend to their owner's hands, and you lose that much life. Tuck, this literally doesn't let you play from exile. It does nothing with your commander at all. What do you mean? Exile, if you what draw do you a card- mean? What do I mean? If you yeah. would draw a card, exile yeah. the top card of your library face down instead. That doesn't I, mean you can play those cards. You don't get access to those cards. They're there, exile face down, just like Necropotence. So you only get the cards to hand that you can use once you've paid the black, and then you return them all to your hand, and then you lose that much life. Hold on. No, there's a reason why I have this in here. Like, I'm 99. I mean, we could look, we could look this up. Because it's not when you play a card. Return all cards to their owner's hand, you lose that much life. Maybe? Okay, you might be on. You might be yeah, on something it, here. I must. I must here, have reread. Literally, this. I must have read this rule, wrong. Rules text: If a card is exiled face down and no player has been given permission to look at it, no player is allowed to look at it as long as it remains exiled face down. I must have read this so you, card wrong when I got. Yeah, when I you put literally. This in here. He does nothing for your deck other than if it's like a mana sink. Oh, I'm just paying a bunch of stuff, but then I got worried. Like you're gonna you're gonna be sinking away your life total. Right, right, so right. Th- this card is a non-bow in your deck, which is why I thought Academy manufacturer Chef's Kiss, great I mean, pick, it, awesome. It certainly, it's, it certainly seems like it's better. I must have, I think I must have read that card wrong. So mm. if that if that's the case, then yeah, I don't think it is. I probably isn't very good because yeah, they don't, it's only play out of exile. I don't know. You might you might you might be onto something here. Yeah, and you actually took. I, I couldn't cut them all, but you actually had a. F- Fair, I'd say like five or seven cards, including as as modest. That was a Put, stuff went to exile and then it came to hand. It actually didn't interact with your commander. Oh. So you might want to go back through your list that <laughs> cut out it. some of those other cards. Yeah. Um, so no, I'm here. I'm here. I'm I did not notice that. So I'm I'll yep. happily go through and look through it. But Academy Manufacturer, great card because Prosper's making the treasures. And yeah. if you're gonna make a treasure, get a food and a clue as well to Use for bag of holding? Question mark. I've seen, I've seen, I've seen clue. I've seen food matter. Just to keep your life total up. I have seen that matter in games, but no. I and like drawing cards are fine. So Academy Manufacturer needs to go in pretty pretty quickly. Well, Tuck, let's head to the under fifty dollar. What are you gonna cut? And what are you gonna add? So I'm gonna cut dance macabre. Mm. I just don't. I don't know this. This doesn't seem very exciting to me. So three colors, double black for a sorcery. Each player sacrifices a non-token creature. Roll a d20 and add the toughness of the creature you sacrifice this way. Uh, one to fourteen. Return a creature into return a creature put into a graveyard this way to the battlefield under your control. And then if otherwise, you get to get two creatures. I play in such a creature-heavy meta that even if people have their commander out, they're just going to sacrifice something else. And ah, okay. I, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna play a card like this, I would rather just play Rise of the Dark Realms and know for a fact I'm gonna get everything back from the graveyard as opposed to potentially two smaller cards that I, I don't really care about. Yeah, that's fair. I, I think the only reason I didn't put it in my cuts is I was like, well, it's five mana. You maybe get rid of three of the threats. 
yeah. that your opponents have, the top threat for each of them, and then maybe you get to repurpose those threats. I don't really know. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, let, let's see what weird spice you have uh, to maybe backfill this. So I have two, and I was going to ask you if you think that either of these, which one of these do you think is better, right? Okay. So there's a card we didn't talk about called Marionette Master, um, which is four colors, double green, double black. Sh- long story short is whenever an artifact that you control is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, target opponent loses life equal to its power and has fabricate three. So to me, that's like the yeastiest card in the deck, right? Like it's the most straightforward because I'm going to be sacrificing a lot of treasures. Now I'll be sacrificing clues and that sort of stuff. So I think having more of those effects are good. And there's two in particular that, st- that struck me. Um, one of them is an elf, and one of them is a is a wizard redacted bit. Uh, the first one is Nadir's Nightblade. So it's two colorless and a mm. black for a creature elf warrior. Whenever a token, a token you one. control leaves the battlefield, each opponent loses one life, and you gain one life, and it's a 1-3. And then the other one is one that's a little bit more ubiquitous called Reckless Fireweaver. So it's a colorless and a red for a creature human artificer. And this one is whenever an artifact enters the battlefield under your control, it deals one damage to each opponent. So I think I probably want two of them, but I wanted to see what you thought because I know I'm going to be sacrificing treasures. So Nadir gets me an extra life out of that for one more mana. Uh, so I don't know. Do I just run both of these or do you think there's one? Do you feel like there's one that's better than the other? Uh, I'll tell you, Reckless Fireweaver is way too uh, um, sweaty for your deck. Because literally the only artifact ETB you're going to have is your treasures. Treasures, right? Yeah. Which Ac- Academy Manufacturer, because if, if people are going to try to make that argument, why are you going to have that in there? It's like his commander's doing that on brand. Right. So it's like... Once I get it, it's just I'm just gonna get the value. Reckless Fireweaver Artifact ETB. It's you're only gonna get it from your Prosper stuff. That's it. Sure. At right. least with the token thing, because I actually run the Deer's Nightblade in my um, Arami deck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your uh, your Commander Legends one, right? Yeah, yeah. And it does work because there's lots of tokens. I think sure. you're going to get more value with this because how many times have we been in games where now people give us tokens yeah, that exactly. we may or may not wanted? Uh, they could even be bad tokens, but this doesn't care. It's just a token. You get rid of those things. People start losing life. You start gaining life. It'll make your opponents really start to figure out, gosh, do I just want to give everyone tokens? Because like Tuck's going to have all this yeah, stuff and I can run lose away five life right, from yeah. what I'm going to get it. <clears throat> um, and now you can kind of control people's destinies. Oh, you're going to do that. Well, you know, I got Nadir's Nightblade and 10 treasures. I could just kill you. Yeah. You, right, you want to die? Exactly. You love the politics game. And oh, it's so God, easy I love it so much. because you can, that the treasures are a mana ability. Right. So you can activate those whenever you want, which is great with Nadir's Nightblade. Someone tries to do some rigmarole. It's like, ah, uh-uh, these are mana abilities, which interrupts right. your thing because now it's going to go on the stack. You die. Well, and get this. This is actually even better, like, this is arguably better with Reckless Fireweaver, right? Because if I don't have Reckless Fireweaver, I can just sack two treasures and then crack a clue, right? Or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, so I get the trigger on the leave. So I'm going to have the mania to kill that stuff anyways. So yeah, yep. okay. I I figured I thought I liked Nadir's Nightblade better personally. Um, so I'm glad that we were on the same page for that. Cool. Well, my under 50, I'm cutting that. I'm cutting Ebony Fly. Okay, fair, fair. I'm, I'm not. I'm not gonna get 
more worked up than I am. <laughs> uh, but here's the thing, Tuck. I'm cutting your pet card and adding your pet character <gasps> to the deck. I Wait. genuinely feel that Tybalt, Cosmic Impersonator... What? <laughs> ...is such a banger in here. Wow! What a treat! So, technically, guys, this card does have two sides, but Tuck should never play the front side. So, Volky, oh. God of Lies... Colorless black, legendary creature god, mythic 2-1 for right around, what's that, 10 bucks. Okay. When it ETBs, each opponent reveals their hand. For each opponent, exile a creature card. They reveal this way until Valky leaves. X, choose a creature card, exile with Valky. CMC costs X. Valky becomes a copy of that card. The front literally does nothing for you. Yeah. That back end, though, holy crap. <laughs> As Tybalt enters the battlefield, you get an emblem with, you oh, may play so cards strong. exiled with Tybalt. And you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast those spells. Three abilities plus two. Exile the top card of each player's library. Well, that's four things for Prosper. Just yeah, sitting out there. Enough. <laughs> Minus three. Exile target artifact or creature that would obviously be on the battlefield. Removal. And you now get to use that resource. <laughs> and then minus eight. Exile all cards from graveyards. Add red, red, red. Holy hell. This thing, I'm telling you, is slam dunk it's super super high end at seven mana sure but it's gonna do you said you wanted ways to win this yeah. will win you the game yeah i agree and like it's the same it's the same thing as fevered suspicion right where it's like this sure this costs seven mana but i'm not playing this on turn seven i'm playing this yeah. on like turn five or earlier right and then mm -hmm. if i as long as i keep prosper out it's just gonna be completely backbreaking uh i have i've obviously i'm a big fan of tybalt's <laughs> Uh, and I really want to make this into my commander, but I just cannot do that because it just does not seem interesting to me. And I think Prosper does a similar thing, just way better. So I have yep. been looking high and low for a reason to get one of these, and I definitely think I got one now. Yeah! Yeah! All right. No budget. Hit me with your deepest pocket. All right, I'm cutting Asmosi as the art fiend. I reread it like 10 times in the mean count. I don't think this card does what I want. I don't think this card does anything <laughs> I want out of it. Uh, it, if you want to play this card, it's like a worse, uh, what's it called? Uh, yes. And, uh, what's the grizzle brand, right? It's like, oh yeah. It's like non-alcoholic, like non grizzle brand, right? But like, oh, 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 dowels or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, you could build around this to make it good if you wanted, but I read, I just, I don't know why. I, th I think I just got too excited about exiling for free and I just lost my mind. So, <laughs> uh, I am also going to be cutting that. And right. uh, Mr. Combo, you have brought this card up for another build. And this is would be, if this card was like $4 cheaper, this may be my favorite black enchantment of all time. But mm. it's $7. And unfortunately, it should have gotten printed in this pre-con, but it got printed in Brina instead. So Cunning Rhetoric, uh. immediate, immediate slam dunk. Two colors and a black for an enchantment. Whenever an opponent attacks you and or one or more Planeswalkers you control, Exile the top card of that player's library. You may play that card for as long as it remains exiled. And you may spend mana as those mana of any color to cast it. I feel like this is a deck that's going to get attacked, and I don't have a ton of responses to that. So if I'm already going to be taking damage, I might as well play into it, ripping even more stuff off of libraries, yeah. um, being able to get treasure out of that. I just think that that Cunning Rhetoric just does everything that this deck wants. Um, unfortunately, it's $7, which is like, do I just go get it out of my Brina deck and put it in here, or do I just pay the Piper for it? It's good. It's yeah, really it's great. good. It's really um, good. It, it's, it's definitely one. 
I really enjoy that Wizards is actually kind of nerfing one of the mechanics that I hate the most, which is, you know, getting stuff that you can play from exile from an opponent or from your library, but you have to do it by the end of your turn or the next turn. Yes. Right. I really like it when it's just like, hey, as long as it's out there, that card is like time stamped with whenever you can do it, go ahead and feel (laughs) and go ahead and do it. I really appreciate that yeah. because it, it's allowing me as a deck builder to get more creative and take more risks with not having cards in hand or library and have them in other zones because it's like, well, as long as it's there, I can always be able to cast it as long as I have the means to do so. Complete, not completely like agree. I have this restriction and I have 15 minutes to cast it and <laughs> I, damn it, I better I, I, do I gotta it. Gotta get it out. Gotta get it out. Uh, very much like that poop. All right. So... I am cutting ebony fly ebony ebony fly again. Uh, If I could, I would. Uh, But we're cutting back at devouring because it also doesn't do anything your deck wants to do. Very much like the Asmidas Archfiend. (laughs) I I mean, I nothing. I yeah. They're either I'm missing something or we're missing something. But I don't know. I don't. I don't think this deck does a lot. I don't think this card does a lot for us. So I got two cards for you, Tuck. Excellent. Um. I actually had to add the second one in as we were talking because it sounds I don't know if this first one I'm going to talk about is going to do what you want, but I think you need to heavily consider it because you have some top, top, top end instant and sorceries in the deck. Mm-hmm. I think you should put Surge to Victory in here. Four colorless red, red sorcery. Exile target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard. Creatures you control get plus X plus zero until end of turn, where X is that card's mana value. Whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player this turn, copy the exiled card. You may cast it without paying its mana cost. It's really good. It's not going to play it from exile, so you're not going to get like a bunch of prosper triggers. Right. But I think this is big enough that, I mean, I was just going through your list. I mean, we got Apex of Power in here. Yeah, which is insane. Blasphemous Act, that's a nine drop. You got tons of six and five drops. I mean, Fevered Suspicion, eight. You got a lot in here to where even if you don't connect with like 10 tokens to get 10 triggers. Right. I mean, just imagine getting three Reckless Endeavors. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Holy hell. It's insane. I I may just win because I'll end up having like 30 treasures. Um, Or if you got two Apex of Powers, that's exiling 14 cards. And you could play out of those. Now, granted, you didn't cast it from your hand, so you're not going to get the 10 mana of any one color. Right. But it's like, hopefully you have have all these treasures you could do stuff. So that was my first one. I'm I'm interested. I'm interested in that. I'd have to take another look at the the cards we have in here. Um, But I think Surge of Victory is a really interesting card. And it's been one that I've struggled to find the right deck for. So it could very well be Prosper. Um, And I'm I'm here for it. I'm I'm here to think about it. But here's the real card that I had to add in mid-episode, because this is a game winner, and it literally does what your deck wants. I know you bought one, so let's let's just call it what it is. Uh, You're going to put a Mind Flayer in this deck, Uh, hands down. Oh! So this is Arvinox, the Mind Flail, or Mind Flayer the Shadow from Secret Layers. Um, Oh my gosh. Stranger Things, holy heck. Oh, dude. We're going to get there. We're no, no, get no, no, there. listen. They've given us the actual card name that this is going to oh, be based yeah. off of. When did that yeah. happen? Wow. Oh, okay. Wait, let me see. Because uh, I, I literally, I actually got the idea, Tuck, because it was my my secret layer packs are sitting in front of me. Oh, there you and go. And I was like, wait, does that do anything? All right. Oh, so yeah, Arvin Fox, the Mind Flail, or the Mind Flayer. 
Four colorless, black, black, black. It's a legendary enchantment creature horror, and it's a 999 or just 99. Um, and it's like $25. I do have one. <laughs> uh, the Mind Flail isn't a creature unless you control three or more permanents you don't own. At the beginning of your end step, exile the bottom card of each opponent's library face down. As long as those cards remain exiled, you may look at them, you may cast permanent spells from among them, and you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast those spells. Tell me this is not your top end. It's I pretty sweet. Kind of win the game. Especially if you get it down on turn, like if I get four treasures with a prosper trigger, and then I can get it down the turn after, like that's backbreaking on this. I think I think I put it into my horror deck, but I'm happy to cut it out of there. The other thing that I think is sweet in here is I'm already running the Atalis, the stolen strategies, and everything else. So there's a chance that when this comes down, it's already going to be that nine nine that I can start attacking or blocking with. Because I'm already well, I'm already casting permanents and whatnot, right? I hear you. Wouldn't you rather this not be a creature? I mean, kind of like when we talk about Perforos, it's like yeah. better when he's not a creature and he's better when he's an enchantment because he's harder to get rid of. Oh, like keeping this as an enchantment makes it way harder. I got it. So then what you can do is, inst- so if you're worried about that, then you get your opponent's creatures and then just sacrifice one of them to Bag of Devouring and draw a card. And then now- I'm going to quit this thing. <laughs> I'm going I'm to throw up. <laughs> I'm going to throw up. I'm so ill. Anyways, I like, I like it. I like it. I think it's sweet. Like I like the. I I think if we're gonna have all this mana out, the Tybalt's and the Arvanox or the Mind Flayers of the world are really gonna be the ones that we want to cast out um, and get them down really efficiently. So I, I am here for it, and I will probably be making that cut later this very evening. Well, guys, thanks for making it until the end of the episode. And if you enjoyed it, make sure to hit that subscribe button. Make sure to leave us a five-star review and even a sweet little comment. So that way other people via the algorithms can find us. And if you'd like to actually get a hold of us and also learn about more of our content, here's how you can do that. You can reach me at Mr. Combo number five on Twitter, all spelled out except for the five. Big Tuck, where could they reach you and your birthday wishes? I'm still at Big Tuck tweeting. And I know I posted something the other day. Uh oh oh it was uh John Boone Jr's birthday the other day uh, the big guy Ooh. from he's from um he's from uh Sons of Anarchy with a big beard he's kind of a bigger guy he was in the dark he was in Batman Begins Oh wait I thought you oh that's right Mark I Boone forgot Jr. we just recorded yeah, I forgot we just recorded an episode like four days ago. That's the same guy that you said you wish happy birthday to. And I was like, wait, you just wished him a happy birthday. I'm oh, so was confused. it? Oh, that, that was the last one of it. So <laughs> uh, you can reach our main account at CMD Tower on Twitter as well. Uh, we will have this deck list and article posted at cmdtower.com slash BNBE131. Uh, basically, just type in Chandra Dress to Kill Marionette Master Deadman's Chest Tower dot com. Now, we do have a great patron community. Dollar, $5, 15 or $25 will get you into our community. All of them have a variety of awards. You should definitely go check out our website. The most exciting thing that's going to be coming up here in the next month or so is our first episode of The Collective Diagnosis, where we take our patrons' thoughts around treasures. Uh, My favorite. Talking about weird, unique things that uh, the community should really learn about, whether it's how to manage them, cards that you didn't know existed, things like that. Just one of the nice little values you get of being in our community is being able to echo your voices and build a platform. Now, if you're already a part of our community and you would like to grow it and you know someone that you'd like to, hey, go join these guys, we'll we'll, we'll treat you real nice. Uh, And just let us know what patrons signed up. And after their first month, we'll send you something just as a nice little thank you, depending on what tier they did. 
Now, we do have a store, cmdtower.com slash merch. So if you want to get any of our swag, playmats, sleeves, uh, sweaters, coins, tokens, any of that kind of stuff, just head over there um, and we have it all available for you. And of course, before we wrap this up, abyssproxyshop.com, great sponsor, great people to work with. They've dealt with my crazy self over the <laughs> doing full hundred card play test decks with custom art, custom text, custom characters, custom, maniac. Board, custom backs. Yeah. I'm, I'm such a nightmare, but they put up with me. They'll definitely put up with you because I'm way too big of a hassle. Uh, but go to their website. They're over the DDoS attack, which is great. And code CMD tower gets you 10% off your total order. And it'll stack with any other discounts they have. Tuck. It's only been three days. Did you place your order? No. All right. <laughs> Guys, we're wrapping up. Episode ah. 131, Brews and Builds, Prosper, no title. Uh, ooh, should that just be the deck? Uh, it says Prosper, it's, it's, like, it's a big hold. Tuck's birthday gift. It was it was Wizard's gift that's to me. That's not a name. Why not? That's, just a, that's like a thing that you write in like a birthday card. It's a, st- it's big a statement. Tuck's birthday gift. I mean, I'm going to start doing that now, obviously. <laughs> uh, how did you feel? Do you... I guess here's actually the bigger thing, the capping. Do you feel like we actually were able to get you ways to win the games and close out, or do you still feel like you're missing something? I think, so, the Academy Manufacturer, Nadir's Nightblade, Tybalt, and the Mind Flayer are all slam dunks. I'm not, I think those are going to help me win. I, I'm still kind of a little bit on the fence of Surge to Victory, um, mm-hmm. but I think, yeah, like, I think giving us more high-end threats to do with all this mana that we're going to accelerate out, and having something to do, like, again, the Academy Manufacturer and um, the Nadir's Nightblade, just, they reward me just for playing the game. So I think yeah. stuff like that are, are really big. So, yeah, I think that's I think those are going to help. Um, I think the CMC is going to be all over this uh, <laughs> once we add in those new swingers. But, again, I don't think it matters. I just don't think it matters as much in this deck. Yeah, you know, I... I think your Nadir's Nightblade or Reckless Fireweaver, I think that's a really smart add. Um, I'm glad you put an Academy Manufacturer because I don't know if it was a budget thing or not, but I remember when I was doing my deck research and it was like, okay, what to do with Treasures? And that came up and I was like, oh yeah, that card's a banger. It's probably already in there. And I was like, what? It's not. I only have the one copy. It was like three bucks, I think. So it's it's fine. This is no longer a budget deck, (laughs) obviously. (laughs) Uh, But Surge of Victory was one that, as we talked about, it's like, okay, you probably need more creatures. So, you know, almost, Tuck, I almost wonder if you could find some tech that's like, hey, every time you play or cast something from Exile, make a Mm 1-1 or something like that. Then maybe Surge of Victory becomes a little bit better. better. Yeah, I'm just accumulating all these 1-1s. Eventually, I might be able to do something. Um but I, I'm really happy that I just side glanced at my secret or my uh, Stranger Things pack. <laughs> You're like, oh, like, Mind Flayer is a freaking slam dunk in here. Yeah, shout out. If anyone out in the patron has a deck like this or they have a way to generate tokens, that would be awesome because I think this deck could definitely, definitely use them. Well, guys, we're out of here. Bye. 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 I, always forget, I always forget that that comes in, in the audio.